You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill in this late April draft preview version of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Rich Hill, I love April. It is springtime. Baseball season's in full bloom. We've got the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and it's draft time. Good day, uh, good time on the sports calendar. Oh, absolutely, especially in the city of champions of New England, Boston. It's fantastic. It is. I mean, I, I love when the schedule comes out for the Patriots. I love when the draft comes around because this is when you can really just sit down and figure out what is the next year going to look like and how early should I be able to buy tickets to go to the playoffs? Cause this is, this is a pretty favorable schedule for the Patriots. It's pretty, pretty good. And, uh, the, I like what the Patriots have done in recent weeks. No, it's, you know, I think you and I talked about it a little while ago, whether they could take a flyer on Demarius Thomas, they took a flyer on Demarius Thomas. They are slowly doing their Patriots thing. And we have a, I believe, 12 draft picks the Patriots have in the upcoming draft. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's always funny. We like to overreact. We like to freak out over the Patriots and what they do, what they don't do. But it's all part of the process. It's a long offseason. And, and podcasts like this, Rich, remind me that these little oases that come in these these dire deserts of, of no football news make things <laughs> a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so we'll, we'll break down the upcoming draft. starts on Thursday. Uh, we'll break that down in the second half of the podcast. But first, Alec, let's break down this new schedule. We got yeah. the Patriots. The, the NFL released the schedule for the upcoming season. We know the games. We know the times. Uh, we know basically the preseason. Uh, Patriots will be on the road against the Lions and the Titans. And then they will host the Panthers and the Giants. No real surprises there. Patriots are going to have some joint practices uh, with the Lions. They probably are actually definitely with the Titans. They are expected to have it with the Lions as well. But preseason is the preseason. When you were looking at this new 2019 schedule for the Patriots, Alec, what went through your mind? First thing, I put my tinfoil hat on, and I know, I just know that Roger Goodell does not want to go to Foxborough ever again and see all those blue clown towels that were shaking the last time <laughs> this happened. And so he's conveniently using the 100-year anniversary of the NFL as an excuse ah. to bump the Patriots off that Thursday night opener. It's going to be Bears-Packers instead. That's pretty awesome. I can't really knock that too much. Uh, but it does kind of stink that the Pats don't open on Thursday night. I really like that opener. It's a nice tradition for the NFL, and it's a nice little mini bye week that the defending champs get as the rest of the league catches up that following Sunday. But what can you do? I think hosting Pittsburgh on the Sunday night game to kick off the season is pretty sweet as well. They get to hoist up their sixth Lombardi trophy, raise their sixth banner right in Pittsburgh's face. That's got to sting a little bit. And the Patriots do pretty well against Steelers at home, especially in these openers like this. Oh, absolutely. They, they beat them two years ago, the opener of 2016. Uh, so, or was it 2017? Whatever. They beat them pretty recently. I think it was 2017. So it's done pretty well for the Patriots and the Steelers. My first thought when I was looking at this schedule, uh, weeks two, three, and four are against the AFC East. They're on the road against the Dolphins, which is just a nightmare situation because you know it's going to be a billion degrees. And the Dolphins have sneaky the best home field advantage by putting the visitors bench right in the sun at no matter the time of the day. Very sneaky great. Uh, but then you got the Jets and the Bills. And my thought here is... Over the past few seasons, haven't the Patriots struggled a little bit at the first quarter of the season? 
You know, every time you're like, oh, Patriots are done, it's because they've fallen flat on their face pretty early on. And I wonder, this is my tinfoil hat, if the league said, well, if the Patriots are going to come out the gate slowly, might as well make the divisional opponents be able to take advantage of it, just like, you know, the Jaguars and the Lions were able to do last year, the Chiefs have been able to do in the past, allow the AFC East teams to pick up some ground on the Patriots early on, because even if they collapse down at the end of the year, at least they'll have these games in the bag early on. Am I crazy, Alec? I mean, that is a very legitimate conspiracy theory, man. It's funny. You know, I, at first, I was like, I'm amazed the Patriots have to play at Miami week two. I figured the NFL would put at Miami to close out the season when they're jockeying for playoff position. The Patriots are going to lose that game. That's a guaranteed L. You know they just lose to Miami. It's what they're going to do. So I thought they'd put that Miami game in Miami in like late December when the games matter a lot more. But doing it week two means it's guaranteed to be scalding hot. There's a really nice narrative with Brian Flores against his old mentor that always seems to go well for the new coach. And then you've got the Jets who are building a solid team. Sam Darnold has had a good rookie campaign. You've got Le'Veon Bell is now a Jet. It's at home, but um, that's not going to be the easiest game. And then the Bills, I don't know what's going on with the Bills. That'll be a, a tough ask to get me to predict a, a Patriots loss at Buffalo. But they could easily go 2-2 two and two in the first four weeks of the season. That's kind of how they usually end up in the first four weeks of the season. And if they go do 2-2, two and two, that means at least one of those losses, probably two of them will be to divisional opponents. And so that'll make things very interesting come playoff time. So I like that theory. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces around here. Uh, in the middle of the schedule, in the meet, uh, week five is against Washington. No big deal. Uh, it's on the road, though. The next few games, week six all the way through week 14, the Patriots do not play a 1 p.m. game. And week six, Thursday night football against the Giants. Week seven, Monday night football against the Jets. Week eight, they got a 425 game at home against the Cleveland Browns. Sunday night football the following week at Baltimore against the Ravens. They got a week 10 bye. Then back-to-back uh, -back 425 games at the Eagles versus the Cowboys. Week 13, back in primetime, Sunday night football at Houston Texans. And then week 14, another 425 game against the Kansas City Chiefs. When you look at the bulk of the season right there, that's a little over half the season. Alec, what, what do you think of that run where the Patriots don't have a 1 p.m. game? Well, I mean, from a selfish standpoint, for guys like you and me who cover the Patriots as a hobby, this is what we do for a living, it really messes up our writing schedules and our times, being up till 12, 30, <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning, getting our notes out and getting our articles in. So that really stinks. Uh, the, I don't like non-1 p.m. games. I'm very vocal. I'm on record numerous times on Pat's Paul, but decrying primetime games and, and 425 games. But that's just me. From a team standpoint, the NFL season is very, very regimented from when they eat, how they eat, when they travel, how they travel. And the timing really fluctuates around their, their game times. And the more 1 p.m. games you have, the more easy it is for you to regulate and, and structure your schedules and your timing. Having all these late games and fluctuating back and forth like this, it will mess the team up a little bit in terms of how they, they handle it. They can, they can do it. They can manage it. It's not going to be like a detriment. But it, it just goes to show that the Patriots are still the biggest draw in the NFL and the timing reflects all that. And these games are going to be are going to be good ones. I think it's some really good games on the slate. I'm very excited about the Week 10 bye. I was a little worried to have a Week 4, Week 5 bye this season. So it's good to see them get their late season bye. But speaking of byes, I think three of the teams, I believe it's Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Dallas, I think, are all coming off their byes. 
facing the Patriots. So not only do they have non-1PN games in that stretch you mentioned, but three of those teams will have two weeks prepared for this team. Oh, that's always going to be tough for the Patriots. I mean, there's a lot of places where the Patriots might fall down and come up short here. Uh, just to wrap up the schedule, they week 15, they're at Cincinnati at 1 o'clock, and then week 16 and 17, they're at home for both of them. Bills, Dolphins close out the season. That's pretty nice. Uh, talking about those teams, though, coming off of their bye weeks, Alec, uh, maybe it's a, a two-part question here, but which games do you think present the biggest trap for New England where they'll have their customary fall-on-their-face sort of performance? And which game are you most excited for? Uh, I'm guessing we're not going to count at Miami as a trap game, right? Yeah, that's no, that's a, a given. A, yeah, that's a given, right? They're going to lose at Miami. Uh I think they're going to lose at Houston on the Sunday night game. The, the Texans have never beaten the Patriots, save for that one game in 09 where Walker Blue's ACL. They, they had nothing to play for that game. That didn't really count. When it really mattered, the Texans have never beat the Patriots. They've come really close a couple of times when you did that last-second pass of Brandon Cooks uh, a couple of years ago, and then they came within one score last year. Um, I think the Texans are due to beat the Patriots. I think that's going to be a, a, a loss. And But I wouldn't call that a, a fall-flat-in-your-face game. Um, I think you kind of brushed on it, Rich. I think uh, the the week three game against the Jets actually is a game I see the Patriots just stinking up the joint at. Uh, another back-to-back September loss. We can all talk about the Patriots are done. Again, these teams are all due. Pittsburgh got their win against the Patriots last year. Patriots are going to lose the game eventually to the Jets at home. May as well be this year. Yeah, no, it, it will happen at some point. I like your, your thought about the Texans. I'm going to point uh, on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles coming out of the bye in week 11. I don't know if people would call this like a, a trap game or anything like that, but this is not a team that the Patriots should lose to. I mean, we could say that back in Super Bowl 52 or whatever the heck that was, but Patriots should be able to beat the Eagles given the talent on both teams. New England should be able to do that. I see that game on the road being the one where the Patriots just get embarrassed like that happens every now and then. That's the one that people will point to and be like, ooh, what happened here? But then just kind of shrug it off and move it forward. Um, the game that I'm looking forward to the most, though, uh, I don't think I'm alone on this one. And I'm, I'm not going to use the Chiefs game because we all know that's going to be fantastic. Uh, week 8, home against the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in this one. I think this is a pretty easy fan favorite for people to choose because this Browns team is hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be amazing to watch with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. They have a pretty stacked team. I'm looking forward to that one. I don't know if the Browns are for real or not, but they have all of the pieces. They should be at a point in the season where they should be coming together. That has all of the makings of a really great game. Do you think, Rich, that... I think Cleveland has won the offseason. There's always a team every year that makes some good moves and signs some good players, and there's a lot of hype and buzz around that team. That's definitely Cleveland in 2019. Do you think that the Cleveland Browns can handle this kind of success, quote-unquote success, this kind of spotlight where they're not the hapless Browns, they're not going 0-16? you think that they'll, they'll buy in and that Baker Mayfield's for real and they're going to turn some heads this season in the AFC North? So I think Baker Mayfield's for real. I have no doubt about that. I think the offense has all of the pieces in place to do a great job. You, you can't not, right? They have Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You look in their backfield, Nick Chubb is a very, very talented running back. They have David Njoku at tight end. They have so much talent up there. Their defensive front, also fantastic. You got Miles Garrett on the edge. They acquired Olivia Vernon, so they have really good players on the edge. They signed Sheldon Richardson in the middle. Larry Ogunjobi is very good on the interior as well. 
So they have a lot of talent on that defensive front. Christian Kirksey is a is a fine linebacker. Uh, Joe Schobert has shown promise as well. And they have some good talent in their secondary. Denzel Ward is a great, great cornerback. Uh, and Demarius Randall has really stepped up at free safety since they've acquired him. So they have all of the pieces there. The biggest flag for me is probably at head coach. They got Freddie Kitchens. They promoted him from being the running backs coach. We'll have to see if what the Browns were able to accomplish over the second half of the regular season in 2019 is a sign of things to come or if it was just a flash in the pan, right? Just because is that success sustainable or will he be easily figured out? We've seen a lot of coaches get credit for being creative, the next big things. I remember Jim Bob Cooter with the Lions, Adam Gase with the Dolphins. You have these coaches who people think are very innovative and then they just stop innovating. And so I wonder if Freddie kitchens will allow Baker Mayfield to continue to develop into a star or if they'll be figured out. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but I still think it is the Patriots and the chiefs in the AFC and a pretty big disparity between the rest of the teams. Maybe Pittsburgh's in there. There's always one team that kind of comes into nowhere and has a revival season. Maybe it's the Browns. Maybe it's Cincinnati. As always, the AFC North is going to be a very interesting division to watch in 2019. But that's getting way ahead of ourselves, Rich. If I had to put you on the spot right now, looking at the Patriots' schedule, looking at the roster they have right now, the rosters that they're the teams that they're playing, how do you see the Patriots finishing out the season win-loss record? I, I think going 12 and four is always a very very safe bet for the Patriots. Uh, you know, plus or minus, as in like probably 13 or three or 12 and four, if I had to guess. Uh, I, I'm in full agreement at Miami week two sounds like a total disaster. They, it will be hot. It'll be their first game against Brian Flores. Who knows how to handle them? Uh, not going to say it's going to be a blowout by any means, but the dolphins have the pieces to just make it upsetting for, for the Patriots. Um, going for the rest of the schedule week 14 against the chiefs. That could be a tough one. I, I would put that one as an L as well. Uh, for New England, I would throw the Eagles game in there as well as what I was saying as their their trap game. Those are three losses. Having them lose one more game over the course of the season, not a surprise. Whether it's that Texans game that you mentioned, I could definitely see that. Uh, or that Browns game, I, I would be less certain about. I think being on the road against the Texans is a little more likely. So if I had to choose the, the four losses, I would say at Dolphins, uh at Eagles versus Kansas City Chiefs and at Texans. So those would be the 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 th uh, four losses with the at Texans being, or maybe even the at Dolphins, but mostly the the at Texans being my number four, where it could go either way. Uh, that's not that's reasonable. I'll take that. I think twelve and four is always the the safest bet to pick with the Patriots. And it's so easy and so early at this point to, to pick. It's almost pointless because there's still the draft to come up, which we're going to talk about in a second. I'm still – I think that Belichick has some moves up his sleeve. There's not going to be the the total – he's not done trading and wheeling and dealing and signing guys. So uh, I see 13-3, and three, honestly, this season. I think, again, at Miami, home against the Jets, are going to completely just crap the bed and look terrible. And then at Houston, uh, they might lose at Philly as well. I like that your, your the rationale about coming off the bye a little sloppy, a little slow. But if they go 12 and four, it'll be those four losses. Uh, that's not my official picks. Don't lock those in. But looking at the schedule basic and what we have right now, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Excellent. Well, I love that. That was good breaking down the schedule. I think right now we should move to talking about the 
NFL draft, which starts this Thursday. Very excited for first round starts on the 25th. Um, Alec, I think we should start by looking at the Patriots roster, figuring out what needs they have, and then talking about a few prospects at each of these positions. Um, I, I can run through. I wrote an article the other day about which positions are of need for the Patriots, which ones are not of need. Uh, I'll, I'll blow through the ones that I consider to be not needs whatsoever so we can just address them and move forward. Uh, oh. And then just we'll, we'll go into the other ones. So running back, no need. Drafted Sony Michelle first round last year. James White, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden, all under contract for the next two seasons. No need for a running back. Cornerback, no need either. Stephon Gilmore, under contract. Jason McCourty, under contract. J.C. Jackson, under contract. All three, those are your starters, under contract for multiple years. Jonathan Jones, free agent after this upcoming season, but they also have Duke Dawson that they drafted in the second round. So if they add a cornerback, I I would expect them to get their customary undrafted free agent, but no need at the top of the draft. Safety. Another position, they are set. Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Jerron Harmon, best safety trio in the entire league in my mind. McCourty is a free agent after this upcoming season, but it would be shocking to see him not be back for another year. I would expect that to be a late off-season extension for New England, maybe generate some extra cap space. Uh, I would I would expect him to have a matching contract with his brother from a length perspective. New England also extended Patrick Chung this year, so... They are fine in that safety spot. And then finally, linebacker, uh, less set than the safety position, but Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and Alandon Roberts are coming off of great years. They added Juwan Bentley last season, who was doing very well before his season-ending injury. No one is over the age of 30. Van Noy and Roberts will be free agents after this upcoming season, but Van Noy has become a team leader. I wouldn't be shocked if he received an extension as well. So linebacker is a moderate need, but not a great one. And so I think what we should do right now is talk about the positions of need. And Alec, uh, I want to start on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line, both defensive tackle and defensive end are big needs for the Patriots. Uh, or maybe this, they have moderate needs at both of those. What is your thought on those positions, and are there any prospects that have caught your eye? Yeah, it's funny, man. I feel like a lot of people aren't really talking about defensive tackle as a draft priority for the Patriots, maybe because they obviously need help at tight end, need help at wide receiver, and those are just sexier uh, positional to, picks to, to draft in, as opposed to these kind of big, space-eating, plug-and-play guys that can allow the linebackers to roam free. But I, I think defensive tackle is a, a, a very big a very big. Um, uh, priority for the Patriots. I like Lawrence Guy. Uh, I like Adam Butler, but that's kind of it um, for their current roster. And they're not like anchor guys. I think Lawrence Guy had a great season, but I'm not going to build my my defensive line around him. And Bill Belichick is well known for valuing defensive line, uh, defensive tackle guys, and he builds his entire defensive line around those guys. So uh, you know, I think there's some really good defensive tackles in this uh, 2019 draft. Uh, probably the Best one is uh, Quinn and Williams out of Alabama, six foot four, three hundred five pounds, absolute monster. Um, I'm not sure he'll be anywhere near 32 when the Patriots pick, but the Patriots would love to get a guy like him. I like Ed Oliver out of Houston. He's another big guy. He won the Outland Trophy, um, and he's a, a solid kind of Bill Belichick style player. But the question is, I just don't know how highly they value defensive tackle. And if they want to use their first-round pick on them. Yeah, it's a good question because the Patriots use their defensive tackles as a two-down type of player. 
But that's not really new. So they were still willing to invest a first-round pick in Malcolm Brown. They acquired a solid talent in Danny Shelton, but that would only really cost them like a third or fourth-round pick or so. Uh, and we have to remember they added Mike Pennell, formerly of the New York Jets, who is coming off of a great season. But again, was that a flash in the pan, or is he actually that great? This is a very, very strong class at defensive tackle. Uh, beyond Quinnen Williams and Ed Oliver, uh, there's a lot of great defensive tackles out there as well. We can throw in Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, uh, Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson. All of those are potential first-round defensive tackles. Um, Quinnen Williams is probably going to go in the top five. If I had to put money on it, I would say he'd definitely go in the top five. Ed Oliver, probably going to go in the top ten. It is Christian Wilkins, who's probably going to go in the ten to twenty range. And with Jerry Tillery, Jeffrey Simmons, and Dexter Lawrence, they are three different players. And it's a matter of trying to figure out uh, how or which player would intrigue the Patriots the most. And whether, again, uh, do they still value these defensive tackles as being a first-round type, first type of a player if they're only a two-down player? Or, alternatively, uh, do they have some sort of pass-rushing capability that makes them a three-down player and that would absolutely make them worth it? Of that Tillery, Simmons, and Lawrence mold, I would say Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame and Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State make the most sense, but Simmons has a lot of off-the-field issues I would not, and he's also just coming off of an ACL tear, so I don't expect him to be on the Patriots' radar, and that puts Tillery as the top possible choice at that position. Um, but also, uh, edge defender, pass rusher, Patriots lost Trey Flowers, they added Michael Bennett, they need some help at the pass rushing spot. Alec, do you have any thoughts there? Any chance that Nick Bosa's around in, <laughs> in the first round? No, not going to happen, huh? <laughs> Next to zero. All right, that's what I figured. You know, obviously, I feel like it's funny. They, they do well, I find, with edge defenders in the, in the second, third round, Chandler Jones being the obvious exception, but they have a hard time keeping guys around. They seem to go there for a couple of years and do really well, and then they get their monster deal somewhere. So I'm hoping the Patriots don't go with the edge defender in the, the first round, maybe not even the second round. They have so many picks, which is really nice. But I, I think like a, a, maybe a late second to early round, early third round pick. Maybe a guy like, uh, I mean, like, like Jalen Jenkins out of Oregon. He's a big guy. Uh, they met with him at the Senior Bowl. Um, he had a decent but not spectacular Senior Bowl. Um, but he was an interior lineman with Oregon last year, or for most of their time. So he was overmatched with the the bigger guys. But he's very quick. He's got very uh, he's, he's good at putting his hands on the ground. Uh, I also like the, uh, the he's a linebacker hybrid uh, guy, uh, Chase Winovich out of Michigan. Yeah, uh, he's a pretty big dude, high octane guy. Uh, great name, Chase Winovich, however you pronounce it. It's going to be awesome. He's kind of like a, got the long hair, Clay Matthews-looking guy. I think they can get him probably in the third or fourth round. Um, but I can see him being a great Patriot. Uh, and then if they want to take like a like a flyer, like a sleeper on a, a nobody, there's a guy named uh, – well, I'm a little biased towards the name. It's O'Shane uh, Zemez <laughs> uh, out of out of Old, Old Dominion. Um, he's a, a good – solid maybe project kind of guy that can get later on that might surprise oh absolutely i like those players uh winovich is definitely a great player coming out of michigan strong run defender but also has some pass rushing capabilities he has a lot of promise out there i like him a lot i would also like to throw in zach allen coming out of boston college another great run defender who has some upside as a pass rusher uh and anthony nelson out of iowa i would say 
both Nelson and Zach Allen would be players available in roughly the third round or so that would fit into that exact mold that you were mentioning of someone that other teams might undervalue, but they do certain things really well that the Patriots will be able to capitalize on and allow them to develop their other aspects so they can contribute as a rookie, improve as a sophomore, do a great job for the Patriots in their third and fourth seasons, and then cash in and get the Patriots another third round compensatory pick. So, a lot of talent there on the edge, especially what you said. They should be available in the middle rounds or so. Um, two other pros positions that we don't really have to go into, or I guess one other that we don't really have to go into too far, would be the offensive line. I consider offensive tackle to be a huge position of need for the Patriots because they lost Trent Brown. They have Marcus Cannon, who's about to be 31 years old. And behind Marcus Cannon, I know they've spent a first-round pick on Isaiah Wynn in the f last season's draft. But are you going to put all your eggs in one basket for an offensive tackle that is coming off of a torn Achilles that had some question marks because he was undersized with no one else behind him on the depth chart? Who is behind him on the depth chart? There is not an offensive tackle on the Patriots roster behind those two that I would really trust. And then additionally on the interior offensive line, uh, Joe Tooney and Ted Karras will be free agents after this upcoming season, so this seems like the right place for New England to add another interior offensive lineman and an offensive tackle just to build out their depth. Do you have any thoughts on the offensive line? Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel like the offensive line, they're, I think they're definitely going to be okay this year uh, as long as they all stay healthy, which is the obvious question. I think the interior offensive line, I'd put David Andrews, Joe Tooney, and, uh, and Shaq Mason up against any any interior lineman in the entire NFL. I think that's a really solid uh, interior three guys. Marcus Cannon's one of the best right tackles in the league as well. Uh, Trent Brown, God bless him, he got the payday he deserved. Isaiah Wynn is obviously the big question mark, and you don't want the, the question mark to be your left tackle protecting the blind side of a 42-year-old quarterback who's not that mobile to begin with. But they drafted him first round. They obviously have a high grade on him. Dante Skarnacki is the best in the business. I think he'll be okay as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, the question is, though, you're right, depth. Uh, so uh, maybe they, they take a, a fourth to fifth round lineman, work on him, and sign a kind of journeyman free agent the way they did with Adrian Waddle, something like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think there are some good middle-round prospects at tackle. Uh, the few top positions, Jawan Taylor out of Florida, Jonah Williams out of Alabama. But then I would say the project players like Max Sharping out of Northern Illinois, Titus Howard out of Alabama State. Uh, those are the types of players that you should think of for the Patriots in the middle rounds. Um, but, you know, offensive line, in my head, you trust Dante Scarnecchia to do his job. That's really what I'm looking at. You can get whatever players you want. He'll turn them into starters, and they will be okay. Uh, another position of need, quarterback. Tom Brady, getting up there in age, still doing well. Brian Hoyer, uh, he's a backup, and he will be a free agent after the season. Time has flown since they added him to the team. I can't believe his three-year contract is already almost over. Uh, any quarterbacks this year that you think would be a good fit for the Patriots? Yeah, it's funny. I don't know how much value the Patriots place in Danny Etling. I know they drafted him very late. He had a absolutely non-existent regular season, which is exactly what you want out of a rookie he got practice player of the week several times during his time in New England during his rookie season. So obviously they value him enough and what his ability brings um, in terms of, of how he can how he can do it. But um, there are two guys I like. I'm not sure. Again, also the question is with the Patriots, how early do they want to take a quarterback? You look at guys like Ryan Mallett and Kevin O'Connell, Jimmy Garoppolo, they take second to fourth round. Uh, I'm not sure if Tom Brady's replacement is in this draft. But if he is, uh, I like a guy named Easton Stick. 
Um, he's <laughs> got a just great name for reason, um, but he's very Jimmy Garoppolo-esque. Um, he had a lot of competition he faced, very high upside, uh, and Carson Wentz kind of paid the way for Stick, the way that kind of Tony Romo did for uh, for Jimmy G. I like him a lot, and I think he's like a great Patriot. He might not be um, around if they want to wait for a little while on him, but Daniel Jones, I think, could be a really good fit in New England. Seems like a really smart guy, very hard worker. Uh, comes in a pretty good pedigree. Uh, Duke's got a pretty solid program. They they draft they uh they 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 train their quarterbacks well there. So I think Daniel Jones and Easton Stick are the two guys I'm watching for. But again, I just don't know how high up they're prioritizing quarterback in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on who is available, how the draft board falls out. There's a rumor out today that the Patriots could be interested in selecting West Virginia quarterback Will Greyer in the first round. I like him a lot. Uh, he has a lot of upside. He's one of the best quarterback prospects from a production standpoint. Uh, one of the, the top 15 seasons of any uh, Power 5 quarterback over the past 20 years. Uh, so he has some potential there. He's able to make all the throws. He just gets a little iffy when there's pressure in the pocket, and he lacks the mobility of a lot of the other quarterbacks that will likely go ahead of him. Um, but if they don't get Will Greyer in the first round, I think someone like NC State's Ryan Finley makes a lot of sense in the middle rounds. Uh, that's where Jacoby Brissett came out of. Ryan Finley, another solid prospect out of there. Patriots have that good track record out of NC State. You can throw in Joe Tooney as another player that they acquired from there. Um, so Patriots, they could have one of those two. I would say they might wait till next year. If I were Nick Casario and Bill Belichick, what would I consider? If I could flip one of my second round picks into a first round pick next year, I would definitely do that, uh, trade into the future just to acquire some more draft capital. I would just say this is not this, the year to reach for any of these quarterback prospects. Cause I don't think any of them are that world beating uh, or that much of a guarantee. So try your luck next year would, would really be my guess on that one. Um, final two positions. We can group those together as well. Wide receiver and tight end. Patriots need some pass catchers. They signed Demarius Thomas, as you mentioned earlier. He joins Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett at wide receiver, in addition to a few other recent signings in Bruce Ellington and Maurice Harris. They added Austin Safarian Jenkins at tight end to an eclectic mix with Matt Lacoste, another free agent signing, and then Steven Anderson, Jacob Hollister, and Ryan Izzo. Not a lot of promise and experience in that crew, especially in the New England system. Alec, what is your read on these positions? Yeah, I mean, receiver is a need. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying it's a negative way. I legitimately don't know what Demarius Thomas can bring to this team. Coming off the, uh, the, the Achilles, as you mentioned, he's older. He's kind of banged up. He had a phenomenal campaign with Peyton Manning throwing him in the football. And so he obviously has the talent. But we cannot rely on him to be the, the deep threat outside red zone guy. And so with Gronkowski retired, there's really not a, a red zone threat. So I'd love to see the team go after a bigger, rangier, kind of solid number one style wide receiver. However, Rich, uh, I literally cannot name a single Patriots wide receiver the team has drafted in the first three rounds that stuck around at any point. Maybe there's one somewhere. Maybe well, Deion, maybe Deion Branch, was he a third rounder? He was a sec rounder. second round pick. All right, second round pick. So Deion Branch is the only person I can name that stayed around for an entire rookie contract for receivers. So I'm very reluctant to pick anybody here because if they draft him, he's going to suck. 
<laughs> that's just the given right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick himself has mentioned that it's so much easier to scout players once they've had experience in the NFL because you know what their transition is going to be. A lot of what the draft is is projecting who is going to do what, and that's why the Patriots like getting their interior, getting their offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs in those early rounds because they have a pretty high hit rate. Uh, other players, not that great. Um, with the tight end class, also – Maybe it's a little overrated right now. TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa is a great prospect. He is going to be a stud, but he's probably also going to be off the board in the top 15. Your next three tight ends, and uh, Noah Fant also out of Iowa, Irv Smith out of Alabama, and then Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M are more of your receiving tight ends and not that great of, uh, of, uh, of blockers, even though they are varying levels of willingness at that position i would say outside of tj hawkinson the next uh best guy you could get might be josh oliver out of san jose state or uh dawson knox out of ole miss those are two players that maybe they can be a tight end number two maybe they have some upside i would not bet the farm on any of them so this is a pretty inflated tight end draft class i see them getting austin safari and jenkins as being a good move because uh if I were to build a team, I don't know how many of these tight ends I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, they will be better than than Austin Safarian Jenkins at any point in their career. So Patriots did a really good job building some backup there. If I'm Bill Belichick, I'm going to really aim for Jay Sternberger out of A&M uh, in the, the second round, potentially Irv Smith if he's able to drop towards that second, uh, end of the second. But otherwise, hopefully Dawson Knox might be available at the end of the third uh, and then other than that, I'm just going to take a bunch of flyers on some other positions uh, or at, at some other prospects in the sixth and seventh round, just to try and claim some priority free agents. The big thing I would do is try and take advantage of this wide receiver class, because while there are not as many bona fide locks as being really, really great players, I think there's a lot of really, really good talent here that could thrive in the NFL. And the Patriots, they have the opportunity without a lot of incumbents at the position and with Bat Braxton Berrios being the only player under contract beyond the 2019 season, they have the ability to really regroup and add some depth and talent at this position for the future. And uh, they should be available in the second, third, and fourth round because this is so deep. And you can get a player like A.J. Brown in the first round, Hakeem Butler, Keneal... Uh, Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State, or you could wait until the middle round, get Andy Isabella out of Massachusetts, Riley Ridley out of Georgia. There are so many prospects here. Again, not a given, but I might go the spaghetti method here, throw a bunch of picks at the wall, and see if anything sticks. Yeah, it's funny. I, there, there are there's some, there's some decent wide receivers. You know, I like Riley Ridley a lot. Uh, Calvin Ridley's brother. Fun little fact about that. If you remember Calvin Ridley, uh, great hands, very large arm, very large wingspan. I think he kind of underachieved. Didn't live up to his skill set over at uh, Georgia, which means they can probably get him in like the middle of the second round, throw on a package one of their two picks, and and find a way to move around. Uh, love Debo Samuel. I think he's a good guy, but he's a little shorter. He's kind of a short, big guy, but he runs like a four, 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 forty. So he could be a, a a good guy to go for. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely agreed. They do not want to spend a first round pick on a receiver. Cut to Thursday, they draft a receiver with a twenty six overall pick after moving up. But 
if they decide to just do the Patriots thing, I think, you know, third round, second round, they got to go after receiver, at least one in this draft. Um, you know, obviously you've got the Andy Isabella. He's your typical Patriot. He's a, he's a five, nine, 185 shifty chip on your shoulder, white receiver. You can't get too many of those over in new England. Uh, he's definitely be available in the, the later second kind of mid third rounds. There's enough talent there, but I'm with you on the tight end position as well. Receiver and tight end. We're kind of on the same boat in that. There's some really kind of top tier guys that are most likely going to be gone by the time the Patriots get around to drafting. Assume they don't move around. And once those top tier guys are gone, there's no point reaching may as well package some picks, move up and down draft capital for next year and get a bunch of guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. That'll, Maybe four of them pan out. That's kind of the way they do it. They know Patriots do. They know that there's more guys that aren't going to work out than are in the NFL. It's just the way it is and just how the league is structured. So the more people they can have on their team, the better off they're going to be. And someone's going to surprise us. It's going to be some six-rounder I've never heard of. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would not count out Bill Belichick making a draft day trade likely to happen i would say uh there, there are probably some veteran wide receivers on the last year or two of their contract or last year of their rookie deal that the patriots be able to get pennies on the dollar so if there isn't a good tight end available at the end of the second round never fear patriots didn't acquire trump brown until a little bit later and he just became the highest played offensive lineman in nfl history so Great things can happen on the draft day, not necessarily restricted getting players out of college. Super, super excited for all of this to play out, Alec. Uh, as we head out of this podcast, do you have any final thoughts on the 2019 NFL draft? Can you guarantee me, Richelle, they're not going to take a safety in the second round? Uh, I can definitely not do that, and I have a list of five safeties that they will probably take to break your heart. I will release <laughs> that on Thursday. <laughs> All right, sounds good, man. <laughs> All right, well, until next time, Alec, ha enjoy the draft. Have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man. Later.